0: Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little, Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Conditions apply. website for details. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to the program. In this episode, we're going to dive right back in to the court documents. And we're going to pick up where we left off with the IGG order that was passed down by Judge Judge. In this section, we're going to be talking about case law. The issue of disclosure of information gathered from an IGG investigation is an issue of first impression in Idaho. The state claims that the IGG information will not be used at trial and was not used to obtain any warrant. While there is no precedent in Idaho, what limited cases are available from other jurisdictions are worth discussing. 1. In the matter of Michael Green First, in support of its position, the state submitted a ruling on motion to compel production of discovery authored by a California trial court in the case of in the matter of Michael Green. Example A attached to motion for a protective order. There, law enforcement found DNA on the victim's nightgown. A private laboratory created an SNP DNA profile of an unidentified male suspect. Law enforcement submitted that profile to GED Match and received information about individuals who shared DNA with the suspect's profile. Law enforcement then identified Michael Green as a suspect. Law enforcement collected garbage discarded by Green, tested it for DNA, and compared that STR DNA profile to the DNA located on the victim's nightgown. The DNA matched. Law enforcement then got a search warrant for Green's DNA which also matched. Green argued that he was entitled to genetic genealogy information, including the family tree. Green asserted that the information was necessary to ascertain the following, details of what, when, where, and how the investigation into him occurred, the identity of other possible DNA matches that surfaced so these individuals could be interviewed, since such evidence could be exculpatory if their DNA matched to the DNA on the nightgown and possible violations of the Fourth Amendment. The trial court held that the prosecution was not obligated to discover to Green the requested match detail reports, long-form candidate match reports, family tree information, lists of people identified through the FGG investigation as being related by DNA to Green or any other information from its FGG investigation. The court reasoned The evidence that is material to Green's guilt or innocence is the testing that followed the FGG investigation, which directly compared a fresh swab of Green's DNA with the DNA profile collected from the victim's nightgown. It is only this evidence that the people intend to present at trial. The people are not obligated to provide its preliminary search of the genealogy databases for possible matches which is investigatory in nature and is not exculpatory or material to Green's defense. Green has presented no evidence as a part of his motion or supplemental filings that tend to show that the persons identified through GED Match who share DNA with Green can otherwise be linked to the crime he is accused of. A mere possibility that the information might help the defense does not establish that this evidence is material. While the IGG information was not found to be discoverable in Michael Green, this court located three opinions that suggest discovery of such information may at times be appropriate. 2. State v. Bortree. State v. Bortree 2021 WL 3716803, revised and remanded on other grounds by State v. Bortree 170 Ohio State Third District 310 212 Northeast 3d 874 2022 involved in a sexual assault and an attempted aggravated murder in 1993 the victim anita was taken at gunpoint and then forced to perform sexual acts on the perpetrator the perpetrator then cut anita's throat and left her in a ditch anita survived and was able to provide law enforcement with a description of her attacker and his vehicle Her clothing was collected for evidence, but at the time, DNA testing was in its infancy, and only blood type testing was done. No suspect was identified. In 2015, a suspect DNA profile from the semen-saliva mixture left on Anita's clothing was extracted. The DNA profile was submitted to CODIS and matched to another as-yet-unidentified assailant. Without a suspect, law enforcement turned to forensic genetic genealogy, FGG. First, a private lab analyzed the DNA and generated an SNP DNA profile. Advanced DNA then uploaded the DNA file to GEDmatch. After uploading the file to GEDmatch, Advanced DNA found a woman who shared approximately 3% of her DNA with the suspect sample, leading Advanced DNA to believe the woman was possibly a second cousin of the unknown suspect. Advanced DNA then built out a family tree for the woman using public information on GED match and other public records like marriage certificates and birth records. Once its work was completed, Advanced DNA provided law enforcement with a lead summary report that focused on four brothers. Law enforcement began investigating Ralph Bortree, one of the brothers identified by Advanced DNA. Because he fit the physical description given by Anita in 1993, Owned a vehicle that matched the description given by Anita and lived near Anita when the crime was committed. Law enforcement collected discarded cigarettes from Bortree. The cigarettes were tested for DNA and the DNA was consistent with the suspect DNA profile obtained from Anita's clothing. A warrant for Bortree's DNA was then obtained and his DNA matched the DNA on Anita's clothing. Distinguishable from this case, the affidavit for a search warrant for Bortree's home contained a detailed description of the DNA process including the use of FGG. It is unclear if the affidavit for a search warrant for Bortree's DNA also included FGG information. Prior to trial, Bortree filed a motion to suppress the testimony of the owner of advanced DNA, Amanda Reno, arguing that one, the state failed to establish that Reno had complied with GED's terms of service. Two, Reno did not preserve all of her research to show how the Bortree family was identified as a lead. And three, Reno relied, in part, upon unverified family tree uploaded on public ancestry websites by unknown individuals. The trial court denied Bortree's motion. At trial, the state called Reno to explain how the FGG process created new leads in Anita's case. On appeal, Bortree argued, the decision denying his motion to suppress was error. The Court of Appeals of Ohio disagreed, noting that one, Reno testified that she had complied with GED match, terms of service, and there was no evidence to the contrary. Two, Bortree was able to cross-examine Reno at both the suppression hearing and at a trial about the process that she used. And number three it was inconsequential that Reno used unverified information from unknown individuals in narrowing the focus to the Bortree family because the information provided by Advanced DNA was merely a tool to provide leads to law enforcement. Law enforcement was then able to check the vehicles Bortree owned, etc., to find if he would be a good possible suspect. State v. Bortree 2021 WL 3716803 revised and remanded on other grounds, Versus State versus Bortree, 170, Ohio, 3D, 310, 212, 3D, 874, 2022. The Court of Appeals concluded that, in this case, the trial court found that the evidence did not establish any illegal activity by engaging in forensic genetic genealogy research, and the research did not, in fact, yield any substantive evidence that Bortree had engaged in any criminal activity. Rather, it merely narrowed the focus of law enforcement. We agree with the trial court's conclusion that the search merely narrowed the focus of law enforcement and consequently we can find no error with the trial court's determination to allow the testimony related to forensic genetic genealogy in this matter. In March of 2023, the Supreme Court of Iowa released a decision wherein the facts discuss law enforcement's use of IgG. State v. Burns, 988, N.W, 2D, 352, 357, Iowa, 2023. In 1979, the victim, Martinko, was murdered. Years passed with no leads. In 2018, law enforcement employed the services of a private lab, Parabon, to perform kinship analysis and genetic genealogy on a suspect DNA profile recovered from the crime scene. Parabon uploaded the DNA profile to G D Match. Based on the information obtained, Parabon directed law enforcement to investigate the descendants of four sets of great-great grandparents. Based on the information for Parabon and further investigation by law enforcement, police contacted an individual named Janice Burns, and obtained her DNA. Parabon determined that the suspect DNA profile was likely from Janice's first cousin. Janice had three first cousins, all brothers. Police collected DNA from two of the brothers via their trash. The DNA did not match that of their suspect profile. Police then collected DNA from a straw from the third brother, Jerry Burns, discarded. The DNA on the straw could not be eliminated as the major contributor to the DNA found at the crime scene. Police then obtained search warrants for Burns' DNA, which matched the suspect sample. The opinion does not discuss any discovery issues or suppression issues surrounding the use of IgG. However, the facts of the case suggest at least some information concerning IgG was discovered to Burns, such as the private lab used, Parabon, the genetic genealogy service used, GED match and how the information obtained led back to Burns, i.e. law enforcement contact with Janice. Without this information in the record, there would presumably be no mention of it on appeal. Number four, State versus Hartman. The Court of Appeals of Washington recently addressed whether a defendant had standing to challenge the DNA comparison of DNA collected at a crime scene with DNA In the GED Match Database, i.e., the analysis of the GED Match Database, State v. Hartman, 534p.3d423-432, Washington Court of Appeals, 2023. In 1986, a 12-year-old, M.W., was raped and murdered. Seaman was found on M.W.'s body, but over the next 30 years, the DNA found did not match any suspect and did not match any profile in CODIS. In 2017, law enforcement sent the DNA on MW's body to a genealogy consultant, Barbara Ray Venter, and a genetic genealogist at Parabon. Both Ray Venter and Parabon uploaded the DNA sample to non-government consumer DNA databases, including GEDmatch, Family Tree DNA, and MyHeritage. Through this, two second cousins of the unknown suspect were identified. Parabon then used information from GEDmatch and other publicly available sources like census records, vital records, social media, and newspaper archives to build out a family tree. Parabon also contacted at least one family member to get additional information about the family tree. Based on the IGG work, it was suggested that law enforcement investigate Gary Hartman and his brother. Police then collected garbage from each of the brothers to test for DNA. The DNA located on Hartman's garbage matched that found on M.W.'s body. A warrant was then obtained for Hartman's DNA, and that also matched. Prior to trial, Hartman moved to suppress Parabon's analysis, and DNA evidence later collected or analyzed because of Parabon's IgG work, including the analysis of DNA from Hartman's discarded garbage. Hartman argued that analyzing the consumer database For the DNA he shared with his close relatives was a warrantless, suspicionless search by a state actor that disturbed his private affairs in violation of the state and federal constitutions. Hartman, 534, p.3d, at 429. Hartman reasoned that the trial court should suppress all evidence obtained because Parabon's analysis, including the test that directly matched his DNA to the killer's, as fruit of the poisonous tree. The trial court found that Hartman did not have standing to challenge the analysis of his relative's DNA profile, which his relatives volunteered to have analyzed and posted on an open source, unrestricted website. The court concluded that Hartman did not have dominion or control over the item seized, his relative's raw data DNA, nor the public database where the DNA profiles were compared, GED match. Hartman had no authority to exclude others from accessing his relative's DNA profiles on GED Match. Further, the court found that Hartman failed to show that the state intruded on his private affairs because any individual or entity could have directly accessed this voluntarily published and public information. Thus, Hartman had no standing to challenge the comparison with his relative's DNA profiles in the GED Match database. As a result, the trial court ruled that the state did not need a search warrant or court order to access GED match due to the public and unrestricted availability of the GED match data. Hartman was convicted of first-degree murder after a bench trial. He then appealed the trial's court ruling on his suppression notion. Notably, Hartman did not assert a Fourth Amendment violation only a violation of Washington State's Constitution, which provides greater protections than the Fourth Amendment. On appeal, Hartman asserted that he had a reasonable expectation of privacy in the segments of his DNA that he had in common with relatives, and that those relatives voluntarily uploaded to GED Match. ID at 431. The Court of Appeals stated that without the GED Match analysis, there would not have been a later warrant for Hartman's DNA just as there was not for the preceding three decades. It is undisputed that Hartman never supplied a DNA sample voluntarily to any source. Thus, if the trial court had concluded that the GED match investigation was unconstitutional, it would have inevitably suppressed the other DNA evidence as the fruit of the poisonous tree. In sum, if Hartman is successful in his challenge to the GED match comparison, The later DNA comparison of Hartman's DNA to the crime scene DNA would also be excluded because they would not have occurred absent the alleged constitutional violation. The court concluded that there is no privacy interest in common DNA that a relative has voluntarily uploaded to a public database. ID at 437. Thus, Hartman did not have a valid privacy interest in the segments of his DNA that he had in common with his cousin when his cousins voluntarily posted the genetic information on a public website. Therefore, Parabon's investigation of GED Match's database did not violate Washington's constitution because it did not disturb Hartman's private affairs. Because there was no intrusion on Hartman's private affairs, he had no standing to challenge the DNA comparison of DNA collected at the crime scene with the GED match database, ID at 437 and 438. While the case does not include specific information about what information was contained in the search warrant for Hartman's DNA or what evidence the state intended to use at trial, It is clear that Hartman was provided discovery on the genetic genealogy investigation and prepared a suppression motion as a result of that information. All right, folks, that's gonna wrap up the case law section, and that's gonna wrap up this episode. And when we pick back up, we're gonna be looking at part five